Well, our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we're in our Zoom services in general, as a philosophy, we try to do things that are a little different than we would normally do in a service, even potentially do things we can't do normally. Like, for instance, over the summer, we had missionaries from around the world, and we're actually able to hear from them and interact with them. So we're actually using Zoom in a way to enhance Mm -hmm. our uh, worship and so today actually we're doing something a little different too we're actually having more of a forum like a a forum on discipleship and we're gonna actually begin with a conversation with frank Tolley, and then just following the service and sort of a talk back time which i find actually for many people is their favorite part of these zoom services is we're actually having a panel then of uh, kevin ford from intervarsity as well as our staff giving their own thoughts on discipleship and responding to some of the things we said and just and other things, the way they think about it and their experiences with discipleship. Uh, for those who don't know Frank, he's on our leadership team. He's our vice chair, but far more significantly, he is with the Ministry of the Navigators, uh, which is essentially a discipleship ministry. And uh, Frank, it's fair to say you spent uh, most of your ministry career discipling people and thinking about discipleship? Yes, and probably more significantly, coaching and training people how they can disciple others how they can be disciples who make disciples mm. and, and just kind of starting off we, we're using this word disciple a lot yeah. so why should we concern ourselves with discipleship what does disciple mean all that kind of stuff yeah it's a term it's a word that gets thrown around all sorts of ways uh it's actually in our church mission statement we want to be a church that fosters a community of disciples of jesus christ so that's part of who we are uh, and it's also, and you just read in the Great Commission, Jesus commissioned his disciples to go and make disciples uh, and then teaching, baptizing them and teach them to obey everything Jesus commanded. So as a church, how do we actually know if we're following our mission statement and more broadly as Christians, how do we know that we're actually fulfilling the Great Commission if we don't even know what a disciple is? Right. And right. It's one of the key things, yeah, right? Yeah. To make disciples. What does that actually mean? What's it going to look like? So that's kind of what we're talking about Amen. today. Right. And and Frank's kind of actually <laughs> all the different things. That, you know, It's kind of like you can almost think about in these seven different categories right. right? or sections. And so we're actually going to let me just flash this to you, what we're going to talk about. We'll stick it both in the chat, but just to see it of where we're going to go. We're going to talk through these kind of seven categories of uh, discipleship, intimacy with Jesus, prevailing in prayer, being shaped by God's word, uh, living in community, seeking the lost, spiritual generations, and to pursue justice and righteousness. And I want to get, but it's kind of where we're going to go with that. And I'll pop it in the chat as well. Uh, actually, how do I do that? Let's well, while you figure how to do that, <laughs> I'll tell, let's, let's talk. There we go. First of all, uh, the Bible doesn't offer a clear, hard and fast definition of this is who a disciple of Jesus Christ is. What I think we have in the New Testament 
is a number of passages which describe what a mm. disciple looks like and how a disciple speaks and behaves. Uh, so it's more of a description. Uh, I've offered seven uh, traits of a disciple. Uh, there could be 27. There could be three. There's different ways of counting. So this is, mm -hmm. but the, I think this is a good way to get a handle for us as a church, what it is we should be expecting and look for as we seek to fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah, and I, and I think, you, you know, as you said, people have been making these kind of lists and all these thoughts, yeah. you know, and it's nice to kind of bring it together. You know, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Right. You know, and, and how, I think sometimes having categories helps you begin to kind of organize your own thinking mm -hmm. and evaluate a little bit how you're doing. Yeah. So we've landed on seven. Garrett can tell you extensively why seven is a biblical number. <laughs> it's the perfect number. Uh, but uh, aside from that, but the other thing we just want to clarify is we these are not seven steps to become a follower of Christ. Right. Uh, each of us are called to make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And that that is a very clear and defined aspect of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, but then how do we actually live that life out as a disciple? This is where we get this picture painted. And this is where we look at at least these seven concepts. And I think a lot of us wonder, you know, okay, I've come to Jesus. Now what? You know, what does this look like? And I think oftentimes when you think about these different areas, you're like, oh, this is what it means to, to know God. This is what it means to live out the kind of life he's calling us to in this world. Yeah. Um, I, I like with this list. I think it's nice, the seven list. I kind of look down and go, wow, kind of groups in a kind of what I would see is almost three kind of sections. Yes. Oh, I have no idea why it's doing that. Sorry about that. Technology. Huh? Yes, yes. So I kind of see the first three kind of being grouped together almost in you know how we relate to God, almost in personal disciplines mm -hmm. in some ways. I kind of see if you want to group together, I guess would be four and six spiritual sure. generations, which is kind of how we're operating in the church a little bit, how we operate with other believers. Right. And then those last two, um, pursuing justice and righteousness, seeking the lost is really how we are in the world. Um, so maybe we'll deal with it and talk about those three kind of. That sounds like a great way to start. And, yeah. and, and but just to, as we get started, just the New Testament understanding the word disciple in Methedes, it's called in Greek, it's Methedes, mm -hmm. essentially it means to be a student. Uh, but it's not the student the way we think of a classroom student. It's not like you do discipleship and you do the course and you get a degree and you have a diploma. Now I'm a disciple. Mm. Discipleship in that in the context of being a follower of disciple of Jesus was more like a lifelong learning attitude. We're always a disciple and we're continuing mm. to grow as disciples. It's not like we achieve this level and then we're done with it. So it's a, a lifelong process. And the second thing and you see this in most of the New Testament passages, when discipleship or disciples referred to, it's in the plural form. Uh, it's, we're not, we are disciples as individuals, but we grow as disciples in community. Well, that's one of the seven aspects, but mm -hmm. it's a team, discipleship is a team sport. We need to be doing it together. And maybe we, sounds funny, we're going to hop on the first three, but maybe we go on those first two and talk about, I mean, we had a whole series on community. Right. And uh, I mean, why why is community so critical in discipleship? Uh, as probably my, most of us are aware, in the New Testament, there are a lot of one and other passages. You know, love one another, serve one another. It, it, it's it's there are dozens of passages where one another shows up. Uh, you can't do one another unless you're in community. It by definition requires other followers of Christ coming alongside and working with each other, and actually encouraging. And helping and sometimes even correcting each other. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, I was thinking about in my own experience uh, of seeing people really grow in the Lord. And when I've really grown in the Lord, mm -hmm. it's often been in groups of either one other person who I'm dealing with in a more intense thing or a small group of people. Right. And that's like, I think when people think it's all on me, I'm, I, I need to figure out how to pray. I need to figure out how to read the Bible. I need I, I need more intimacy with God. Those yes, kind of things. Yes. It's, it's a really, I mean, you can't do it. And you're not meant to no. either. And it's also an aspect. There is a sense of spiritual warfare in growing as a disciple. Mm -hmm. And the enemy wants to isolate us and sort of pick us off one at a time, essentially. Uh, and so when we're together in community, those things like, oh, you're failing or you're not good enough. You don't deserve to be a disciple. Those lies that get told to us, if we're just doing it in isolation, uh, we're very vulnerable. But when we come together in community, we can hold each other up and, and then fight back against the enemy's uh, messaging. And, and even just being practical, I don't know about you, but I found um, that, I mean, like you said, we're constantly growing, right? And we're right. constantly looking to grow as disciples. And we're I think we should always be in some ways being mentored by people and mentoring others, yeah. connecting to others. But I have found that having like specific seasons, like six months to a year of more intensive discipleship with one individual mm -hmm. can be incredibly helpful. If you've never done that in your life, I right. mean, most people I know can look back at their seasons and go, man, that season with that person was so critical to my spiritual growth. Yeah. All right. But let, let's- Do you want to go back to that first section? Yeah, let's, let's dive into these. And uh, just very, uh, another aspect is that uh, discipleship in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament, is sometimes presented in positive terms. Uh, you will know, people will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Mm. So Jesus is telling us discipleship is a very positive thing. Other times it's described as, unless you are willing to pick up your own cross daily and carry it, you cannot be my disciple. And then Jesus gives parables. And in the parables, you unpack what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so we start, obviously, with the idea we want to be in an intimate relationship with him. Mm -hmm. We want to know him. We want to become like him. Yeah. And I think, too, it's like we, you know, I was like, I go, to me, that's the heart of what it means to be a Christian, right? right. Like God's won your heart, that you want to know him, that you want to follow him, that mm -hmm. there's, there's a, a love relationship. I think sometimes uh, people can almost view like their faith or growing up in church, like it's this religious thing. Yes. And this is a series of things you need to do. Yeah. And really, really the, it's about, it's about loving the Lord. You know, he wins your heart. You desire to know him and to follow him. And that really is the, I think the foundation stone of discipleship and, and continuing to foster that. Yeah. Foster that love, that care. And really, like you said, what you say earlier, like it's the one ring to rule them all. Oh yeah. The like rings, the people. Rings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's so out of these seven, the intimacy with Jesus is the predominant trait. Uh, we can sort of do all the others and sort of tick the boxes, but we're not really growing a disciple unless we're continually developing a deep intimacy with him. It's not simply knowing about Jesus. It's knowing him. And you could even argue that it's problematic to do the others without that first one. No, that, not simply that you can't do them, but sometimes you know, it can become about I'm going to study this or I'm going to about pursuing righteousness or, or, or telling people about Jesus. But if your intimacy with the Lord is not there, right, then yep. those things become yeah. these. Yeah, it becomes yeah. performance based. Yeah. We, we, and when we know we're not saved by our performance, but neither do we grow by our performance. We grow in relationship with him mm -hmm. and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. So all these things kind of link together. So as we think about like these other areas, not about prayer and scripture, how does that kind of play together? with our intimacy and our relationship with God? Uh, prayer essentially is we have conversation uh, and it's mm -hmm. ideally it's a two-way conversation. 
Uh, there's an aspect of learning how to listen in prayer. Uh, but it's, it's mostly uh, as we bring ourselves before the Lord and just speak to him humbly, approach the throne of grace, mm -hmm. uh, which we have because of what Jesus has done for us. Uh, and in our church, there's numerous ways we do this. Mm -hmm. We obviously have prayer, which Jay led us in, corporate worship. We have prayer ministries uh, that focus on specific areas of prayer uh, for our church, for the mission of the church, for the people who are serving from our church worldwide. Uh, and there's also in our community group gatherings, we should be having prayer together. But also each of us as individuals, we should be focusing and having some time during the course of our natural day of how we can engage in speaking to the Lord. Right. And I was even thinking too that there's this, there's one piece which, you know, like like uh, I was thinking about Thessalonians when it says to pray continually. Yes. And there's an aspect to where prayer is perpetually relating to God. God's mm -hmm. always there. You speak to him. But there's also a mysterious aspect of prayer. I even think of the disciples saying, you know, teach us to pray. There's a point where you're going, gosh, I'm not sure how to do this. And if you feel like, I don't know how to pray. I know I'm supposed to pray. I feel awkward praying. Yes. And yes. you're like, well, you're you're in good company. <laughs> As yeah. the disciples are coming, they're going, I'm not sure how to do this. So there's a, there's both an aspect where God's saying, just, just do it right. and relate to me. But it's also like anything else. It's a learned thing. And you have experience. It's great to pray with others, to pray out loud, to hear other people pray to experiment with prayer. You yeah. know, sometimes it is being experiment with being quiet before mm -hmm. the God and setting apart times each day. There's a way aspect to which prayer is happening throughout the day. Yes. Uh, and, it, and it's also the idea of praying without ceasing or praying without stopping uh, is, yes, we should have that mindset as an individual, but also that's another passage where Paul is writing to a whole community. Pray you all together, pray without ceasing doesn't mean that I myself individually have to be praying 24-7 around mm -hmm. the clock, but knowing that I'm in a community of believers at Newton Covenant Church and maybe other areas mm -hmm. that are part of the people who, somebody's going to be praying at some point or another. I don't know, there's, there's times and seasons we've done around the clock prayer type of things. Mm -hmm. And that's like you sign up and say, I'm going to pray for these 15 minutes during the day. But it's the idea that pray without ceasing is what we do as community, not just as individuals. Right. And I think prayer is not even like something we're supposed to do. It's like something God gives us to do. And we're talking, yeah. I was talking about scripture. I was thinking oh, yeah. a scripture that was coming to my mind as we were talking is, you know, when it says, you know, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, yes. present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind. And it's like, it's, it's one way that the scripture is actually teaching us, right? Don't yep. be anxious. Yep. Bring it in prayer with thanksgiving. And then there's this intimacy with God, a peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which guards your heart and your mind. So it's it's kind of a way in which the scripture is working through prayer to create intimacy and peace in this world as mm -hmm. we walk. And right. uh, I was just thinking of kind of the way in which scripture plays a role. Yeah, I mean, th there's a probably a very instructive passage of scripture in Paul's second letter to Timothy. Uh, starting in chapter three, and I'll just read this passage. Uh, Paul, as the mentor, is writing to the younger pastor, Timothy, at this stage. But as for you, continuing in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that 
the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good mm. work. The Bible, God's word, is, equips us for everything we're going to need in all of life. There is a sense of the sufficiency of scripture that we need to embrace and just continue to grow into. Uh, and it spills over into our, it forms our prayer life. It also forms how we relate to each other. Uh, are we actually living out scripture in our actions, in our thoughts, even just the the way we speak to each other? Is that scripturally formed? Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just, it is this unique idea. It's a revelation from God. God has yeah. given it to us. Yeah. Like you said, we can relate to him. We can learn to him. We can grow in him. We can live in this world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think one of the key traits of a disciple yeah. is, in a sense, always to be perpetually growing. Yes. Growing in understanding the scripture, growing in relating to the word and how it kind of lives a part of your life. But I think by the same token as well, the scripture, uh, I like I like what the scripture says about itself is that it can be tough to understand. And it can be hard. But I think there's an aspect to where God actually deals with this at the level we're at. I mean, I remember when I first picked up the Bible, I knew yes, nothing, yes. yet God was speaking to me through it. Then now I think back, I go, gosh, what was I thinking it was saying back then when I knew so little? But God was, you know, God's gracious like that. Yeah, there's a great little theological term uh, I heard in seminary, but uh, perspicuity, uh, basically saying God can make the Bible clear, his word clear to people who read it to just where they're at. I mean, that's sort of the sense of it. I mean, there's a sense we want to continually grow and, and learn, but for the simplest level of understanding, God can make his word powerful and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. So it, it works. It's, it's dynamic. It works for the youngest child, and it works for the most senior among us that the, who can, who've given their life to studying God's word. Quick aside, uh, years ago, I encountered a, a retired missionary uh, Jim was his name, and he just impressed me so much. He had been in Africa for most of his life and returned to the U.S., and I'd be in conversations with him, and there wasn't, Jim didn't quote Bible verses at me, but in conversations with him, I had difficulty detecting where his words and God's words sort of broke off. All his speech and his behavior just sort of was just so formed by right. scripture he just lived it out but he spoke it in his his whole his thinking was formed by god's word so he's saying i just had a conversation he goes that he was actually using the bible in that conversation in a very natural way and there's a way in which it kind of the bible kind of just informs the way you walk yeah informs the way you live it becomes part of your life that like you mentioned the hebrews thing the scripture is living and active but there's not any which it's actually living through us yes as we kind of live it out and like you said he's not quoting this thing but yet you sensed mm -hmm. that it was a part of as he walked in the world right right and so god's word the a life of prayer prevailing prayer persevering prayer helps us develop that deeper intimacy with jesus right it's how we, we walk with god right which is you know, in some ways, that is the heart of discipleship, yeah. right? Walking with God, walking with them, and the scripture and prayer play that out. And as we talked before, is it plays itself out. You know, it's not an independent, right? It's a, it's a team game. Right. You know, we have times where we're low, times where it's hard to learn the scripture, hard to pray. But community is an right. incredible way in which it, you build up others in prayer. Right. They build you up. You learn the scripture in that kind of context. You walk with God together with others. Mm -hmm. You know, we fit together. Yes. <laughs> we yes. have different gifts. They have different gifts. You know, uh, serving others in, in community is a key part in which we grow in discipleship. Yes. 
and, and, and as we've mentioned earlier, uh, we've earlier had completed a study, uh, or maybe some of our groups are still doing uh, the pursuit of biblical mm -hmm. community. But it's the idea that we really encourage all our community groups to be together, to, to have maybe share a meal together, have prayer for each other, but actually spend time in the word together as part of what they're doing together. And that's how that particular study was designed. Uh, and in doing so, then we find how community can actually live out um, mm -hmm. some of these aspects of God's word that spill over into justice. Right. Ultimately, it's supposed to be, you know, right, we're transformed because God has us in this world, right? Right, right. Your kingdom come, your will be done on exactly. earth as is in heaven. You know, we're supposed to be like Jesus in the world. Amen. And yeah. so how does that, you know, what are some of these, I think that's what, what you're getting at in these other two, right? Yes. In terms of the lost and pursuing justice, just to- Yeah, so I mean, that. obviously we just saw that great video. Uh, we, we were aware of the work that the uh, CGM ministry CMJ. does. CMJ. CMJ, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Ackerman means exactly what was what's the compassion, justice, compassion, mercy, mercy and justice. justice. Sorry, sorry, hope. All <laughs> right. we, 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 it's in our hearts. <laughs> but but it, but it, that's exciting to see how the church actually expresses that. Yeah. So because that's really that's in our hearts, but it's mostly because it's on God's heart. And so if you're becoming a disciple of Jesus, we need to be reflecting that in how we engage with the world around us right we're bringing god's healing to the world even our right. mission statement that's because that's how you know that's how god wants to work through yeah. us yeah. we actually are, yeah. are to be god's people impacting the world okay. in a real way and, and and it happens in tons of ways right yes yes you know this idea and you know you're in some ways you're being sent into it you know we mm -hmm. are to be people who understand righteous understand how the world works you know people you want you want god us to be god's hands yes which is a powerful idea and so part of our world is people who don't know Jesus yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jesus, recur well, in, in, in Luke, uh, Jesus says that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. One of the short verses in the Bible, definitely worth memorizing. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Very direct sentence, uh, very clear what he's doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we're followers of Jesus, we're invited to join him in this mission of seeking and saving the lost. We can be seeking, he saves ultimately. We don't save, but we can be part of his seeking process. Yeah, I always think it's kind of crazy that we're actually, we are God's methodology for sharing. Yeah. <laughs> God wants to, you know, God you know, God wants people to worship him for their own blessing, right? That they, that they would know him, that they would understand him. We are built to be in relationship with him. Right. And he shares through us. Yes. And, and, but yet we don't actually like you said, we don't actually change anybody's mind. We can't open someone's heart to know the love of God. We can't control the Holy Spirit, yet we seem to be the instrument God is pleased to use, which to me seems utterly crazy. Yeah. But an important part of discipleship is is like I find that when you when you watch God actually use you, mm -hmm. and you know, and you see, like, you know, I, I remember I was a you know very early on it. Um I, I was with uh, uh he's he's Ethiopian. I could barely okay. communicate with him. Yes. And he wanted, you know, and he wanted to learn about the Bible. So I like point to Bible passages yep. and I'd anticipate his kind of question. We go like this and, you know, it was amazing to watch him change. It was like, so, God's so, listen so to me. It, that was I, in, it was in his language. Yeah. I had an Amharic Bible. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had this you, thing. You we're going back and, yeah. You know, I get <laughs> nothing on yeah. it, but yet, I, and it was an incredible lesson from God. It's like you, your brilliance matters not yes, yes, yes. in this whole thing. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, right. And then the aspect of, as people come to know Christ, uh, how are they engaged in this sort of sense of spiritual generations? 
uh, as I see somebody, I'm coming along some, alongside someone, and part of it is, is by living intentionally among the lost, being out there, not have, being in our holy huddle, but being out among the lost. But as people make decisions for Christ, do I see them simply as a convert and we, we've got one for our side? Or do I see them, you're just the beginning. You're just a seed that God's planted into your community, into your family, into your relational network, that you're going to continue seeing this gospel bear fruit going forward. And that's what we're talking about spiritual generations. It's not, it, it does include family and, and linear generations, grandparents, parents, children, grandchildren. Uh, but it also is uh, transformational in the sense of people committing their life to Christ who then help other people commit to life to Christ, who help other people leave, commit to life to Christ. Second Timothy 2.2, 2, uh, very clear on this. And the things, again, Paul writing to Timothy, and the things that you, Timothy, have heard me, Paul, say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. In that one verse, you have four generations, Paul, Timothy, uh, the witnesses, are the same love as Timothy, the reliable people is the third, and then the others are the fourth generation. Mm -hmm. And so we need to not just see about winning people to Christ, inviting them to be part of our church community, helping them to grow, but helping them and equipping them to do the same for others. And and I have found just, you know, personally is that, you know, this seems like, oh, something I need to structure it, but when it happens kind of naturally, you know, I feel when, you know, your, your heart's being changed, you're excited about your faith, it naturally becomes something you think about, something mm -hmm. you share, and then you actually watch God use that in other people's lives. And right. it's like shocking to you, Yes, but it helps you grow. So it's like investing in others becomes like a powerful way in which you grow as a disciple as well. So as we kind of like begin to wrap up this kind of section of our conversation, how do you see some like the takeaways? Okay, we've talked through these different traits. Yeah. So as we look at these seven traits, and uh, if you want to put them back up again or? We can. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and as you think about them, uh, obviously, either Garrett or I or others, we could give a single message, an entire message on any one of them. <laughs> so we're not doing that today. But the, 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 the question I think for us as a church is, how do we see these seven traits becoming more of a reality at Newton Covenant Church? And also, does each one of these seven traits shape the environment of all of our ministries, of all of our times we're getting together, all the ways we serve? an expression of all seven of them involved in each of those things. That's a big ask. But I think at a simple point, and for us as individuals, or maybe as groups in a community group, uh, is there one trait? You can't, we can look at all seven and say, yeah, I mean, we need to grow here in all seven. But maybe there's one in particular you feel like, I want to focus on for the rest of this year and into 2024, is helping me develop and grow in this particular trait. And likewise, maybe there's a trait you feel really confident in, or you feel like, God's blessed you with that you can be using to help others in our church family, mm -hmm. to help them grow and stimulate in, in their lives as I, well. I think sometimes too, is maybe you find one of those traits or two of them or whatever it is in this next season, but then ask yourself practically, what are a couple of things I can try to do in yeah. order to make that happen? Sure, sure. And don't feel so bad if it doesn't work even, but you know, you know some, I'm going to, I'm going to try to see if I can get together with this person on a regular basis, if they want to study the script, whatever, you know, whatever that yep. thing is, or to pray, or I'm going to go 
and try to learn about this in some way, whatever these things might be, but maybe come up with some little practical to-dos. Yeah, this can be done life to life. Uh, I know of different people in our church who are meeting up in ones or one-to-one or, or one to two, three people together, mm -hmm. triads. That's a great place for discipleship to really take root. Uh, it is part of the community group experience and uh, other ministry of the church can be a place where we do, a, we have a particular focus, we're serving, uh, we're helping with children's ministry, but actually are we helping each other become disciples at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to go get involved in CMJ and see yeah. one of these, you know, different projects. Now God might use that, you know. Um, anyway, th so these are, uh, I would encourage you, you know, think about that stuff and say, where am I as a disciple? Am I doing this continual path of growth? Right. We want to close up our time right here and uh, our service, and then we're actually going to have a, a time after. But I'm going to ask Frank to close us in prayer. Father, uh, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus into this world, first and foremost, to save us from our sins through his death and resurrection, but also to first live a perfect life that models all seven of these traits of discipleship, but then also to teach and to teach us through uh, your word and through our life of prayer, how we too can become deeper disciples, growing deeper in intimacy with your son, Jesus. And we pray all these things for ourselves and for the world around us in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So just following the service, we're going to have just a brief break and then our panel will come on of our staff and Kevin Ford. But um, and then it's a time where you can ask questions as well. So if you have things in your chat or comments you want to make, you're invited as well. Although we do have mostly the panel and we found that uh, our Zoom service over the summer, people actually like to sit there and kind of listen to other people have conversations about these things. That's what we're going to be doing today. But now uh, receive the benediction, which is from the word of God. Now to him who is able to do abundantly more than whenever we ask or even imagine, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.